Southern Fried Homicide. What are you doing? That was an accent. <laughs> so, yes, that show was ridiculous. I, Did you like how it had like the, the marigolds around oh, like Homicide? Oh, no, I know. And do you like how the narrator was like, and right as he was getting home for supper, there was a storm coming in that meant murder was coming in. Or whatever. <laughs> yep. So, it was that. I kind of am obsessed with it, though. I, well, I'm jealous that you have this, what is it, the Justice Channel? Justice Channel. On your friggin' antenna, and I don't, since well, we're cheap and don't have cable. I also, know. right now, you don't have internet. I know. I'm like, I'm not going to have an internet for a week. But... I, yeah, I have, like, the Justice Channel and then, like, ABC and, like, <laughs> ten other channels, but Justice, Justice Channel, Channel and Grey's Anatomy, it's all you need anyway. I know. Well, last night, I I just wanted to, like, throw something on because, again, I have no internet. My cell service in my apartment isn't great. So I was just flipping through stuff and I saw Justice Channel and I was like, sure. And it was this documentary on the BTK killer. Yeah. And it looked like the type of documentary that had, like, a $600 budget. <laughs> like, it, it, oh, God. <laughs> um, well, hey, everyone. This hey. is Blood and Wine. I'm Brittany. I'm Tyler. And we are at Tyler's new apartment. Actually, yes, we are. Well, <laughs> well, we're at the Cyber Lounge yeah. of my new apartment. So, you know how a lot of apartment complexes have, like, these different lounges and conference rooms well, since Tyler has yet to unpack, his apartment is this like empty void. And so we needed to find a new place to record. So we're in the Cyber Lounge. And I actually really like it. It feels like a legit pod studio. It's true. I think we could, I think we can just take over. And I think be, we should. This will be the podcast studio in the complex. Do we think, do you think we should hang up our blood and wine poster? I wonder how long it would be till they took it down. I don't know. Probably 10 minutes after Probably. we leave. <laughs> Probably. But no, so we actually were just watching, before we started recording, the we're Justice Channel. Southern Fried Homicide. <laughs> and it just, I know there's a podcast called Southern Fried True Crime, and they have some really good stories, yeah. but there's something about Southern Fried Homicide. It, it just, rhymes and it's just so cheesy. It, it was so campy and everything... The narrator is just this, like, I don't know. She sounds like your average waitress at a Cracker Barrel. And every everything is just like, how can we put Southern stereotypes into this? I know. It was so stereotypical. But, you know. Like, before hey. the, o- the fried okra and collard greens cooled down, the murder was heating up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't even make <clears throat> sense. Why? Why? But, you know, it's one of those things that... There are so many different ways to, um, like, go out doing some type of documentary. And mm-hmm. that's clearly the super, super cheesy, like, reenactment yeah. mixed with the real photos and whatnot, which is very typical. And it's like, hey, clearly it doesn't matter how cheesy it is. We're still going to watch it anyway. I mean, we did watch it, so, yeah. Yes, yes. We didn't change the channel. We didn't go check out your other channel, ABC. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> to see what they had on. But um, no. So last night, while you were watching the Justice Channel, I was actually watching. Um, so our sister told us about this. But CNN does a docuseries for like every decade. Um, mm. And it's awesome. There's like the 60s, the 70s. And that's all. That's what they're called. Like 
um, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that I found. And so I was going through each one and just watching a couple episodes in what each. What is this decade going to be called? The 10s? I don't know. The teens? Um, like, will next decade be the 20s? Because that's weird. Oh my god. Yeah. Is this a conversation that people have every decade and I've just not thought about it? Maybe. People who were in the 1890s are like, you can't call this the 90s. I assume they'd be very old. <laughs> well, if they're in the 1890s, that's before the well, 1990s. they were from the 1890s and now it's the 1990s and they're like, <laughs> you can't call this the 90s. <laughs> they're like, that's we've already... spoken for. We've already had this all the way back to just the, the 90s. The, the actual 90s. <laughs> God. No, but it the was... The 90s. Wow, okay. So, but it was really interesting. I watched the episode, um, the one that my sister recommended... My sister. <laughs> Not mine, apparently. Sorry, Our said. sister. The one she recommended to us was the crime one from the 70s, just because there were so many serial killers and murders mm-hmm. and... It was just so crazy to be reminded that, you know, um, Zodiac, Son of Sam, Ted Bundy. We haven't um, done Son of Sam. No, and I've, I have that one on my list. Okay. <laughs> I saw the look in your eyes. I literally was making a list last night. I was like, I don't do this. I don't do this. There was also apparently the serial killer, Dean Coral. Why don't we do an episode that's serial killers in the 70s? And just do, and, like, highlights of everything. Oh, I was say we could just oh. pick two that we haven't done. Oh, no, I love it. I love that idea. Okay. Okay, so that's coming up probably soon because I really, really, after watching this, want to do Son of Sam because I know a lot about that one, but it's the information that most everyone knows. I don't so, know anything about Son of Sam or who that is, so... Well, it'll be a surprise <laughs> for you, and I just... Your your lack of true crime knowledge sometimes surprises me, but I bet it makes everything all the more interesting. It does. I mean, whenever you're telling cases about, like, BTK or Ted Bundy and stuff, I'm like, oh my god, they did that? And you're like, yes, Tyler. Everyone <laughs> knows that. But still. Um, but anyway, I highly I recommend um, that. I then, so after I watched the 70s, I watched the 90s, and I watched the one about terrorism. Mm-hmm. And it was just showing, you know, Ruby Ridge, Oklahoma City, which we are all too familiar with. Mm-hmm. Then it talked about Waco, then Jonestown with Jim Jones and the drink and the Kool-Aid. Mm. Um, so it was like a mix of domestic and then it goes to uh, Bin Laden mm-hmm. and the other things he was doing like in Kenya, the bombings there that led up to 9-11. So it just, guys, it's so fascinating and all the episodes are not super heavy like that because each season has um, an episode or a couple episodes about like TV and what was what was popular TV in that decade. And then there's about music and then, you know, the politics and just huh. like the state of the country. I highly, highly recommend it. I now want to go back and like watch all the episodes just instead like of just bouncing around to the like tragic episodes. But hey, well, whatever. That's what you did. Um, yeah. Not to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you uh, <laughs> because I want to talk about Patreon for a little bit. Go for it. So um, just want to first off, thank all of our amazing Patreoners. And also, if you haven't had the chance yet to let everyone, all of our listeners know to go check it out. Um, Patreon is a place where y'all can uh, help support us and get access to a bunch of different features like our murder mini episodes and it's just another way for y'all to support us and yeah 
Also, and just don't forget, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast uh, so you'll be alerted for all new episodes on Tuesdays. Boom. So we have some exciting current news that yes, we, we do. have not been able to talk about on an episode yet. I know. Which um, we, we didn't time that very well. Last, we meant to do it last <laughs> episode and didn't. Yes, but we have a giveaway going on until the 15th. So yes, um, until March 15th is when the giveaway closes. Yes, and what that is, it's on our social channels. We're doing it on Instagram and Facebook. But all you have to do is go to the giveaway post, follow us, write a review on Apple Podcasts, and just take like a screenshot of it and send us a message showing us that you left that review. And then tag someone in the post that would also like blood and wine. Yeah. And for this giveaway, we're giving away a t-shirt of your choice and a blood and wine sticker. And that t-shirt could be, it can be a tank top. It could be like a men's shirt, a women's shirt, a v-neck. You know, we have all the different ones in the store. And it can be our traditional logo or the new design that we introduced a few weeks ago. So if you are interested in winning a free t-shirt of your choice and sticker, uh, enter that giveaway and yeah yeah we'll be randomly selecting a winner and announcing it on the 16th boom okay do you want me to go ahead and jump into this week's topic yeah let's do it so this is one um i picked this topic this week because tyler is going to be chatting with us about wine here in a second i did one that is timely ish um it's cyber murders or um internet homicide and this is something that refers to when the killings happen, when the victim and the perpetrator met online. And in mm. some cases, they, that's the only way they actually know each other is through meeting on the internet. Mm. Um, the term internet killer, it's also found in media reports for a person who broadcasts the crime of a murder online or who murders a victim they met through the internet. So when it talks about um, like showing them online, like you know how there's been people doing all this crazy shit on Facebook Live? Yeah. So kind of okay. stuff like that. Uh, the first time a victim was murdered by someone they met online was in 1996. And really? killers would use, yeah. So a little bit earlier than I thought, you know, when the internet was very much in its infancy. Well, I, I actually am surprised it took that long. For people to abuse it? Yeah. It's true. We kind of, this is why we can't I mean, have I nice don't know. Things. In 96, we didn't have a computer in the house. I was also three, so we absolutely may have, but I don't <laughs> think we did. I don't know. I don't think so. Windows 95 was out. Windows 95 year. was out. And um, so the killers at the time were using what, you know, makes sense for that time. Chat rooms, advertisements, online dating. AIM. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Gosh. remember going into like all those chat rooms yes. as a kid? I and, like, loved going to chat rooms, which now I'm like, oh my God. Well, and it's also like nowadays we deal with fucking catfishing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know about you, but I would go into chat rooms and I guarantee I wasn't being honest with who I am. And it's like ASL. And I'm like, oh, I'm 26. I'm a female, and I live in Los Angeles. Like, no. I was, like, 15 female living in Oklahoma City. Oh, I know. I'd be like, oh, I'm actually from Melbourne, and I'm 26. And then someone would be like, oh, my gosh, I visited Melbourne. Like, what was your favorite? What's your favorite place? And I'd be like, I don't know anything about it. Go away. (laughs) No, it's so true. But it's just, we were never honest. Um... 
with who we were. And that's what a lot of killers were doing as well. Yeah. And they would lie and meet people through stuff like that. Oh my god, hashtag like things I have in common with serial killers. <laughs> oh my god. It's a hashtag I do not want to start. Um, uh, but also kind of want to start. I'm a little type A. Hashtag things I have in common with serial killers. <laughs> Okay, I just got this idea for, like, all these different, like, memes and stuff. Okay, but also, <laughs> depending on the different kind of... I know, it's going to be so good, though. Literally, I think we need to start this hashtag things I have in common did. with serial killers. Because it's super basic stuff. Like, no, it's just... It's, it's so crazy, but we're absolutely starting that hashtag. I know. And also, I just got a... A horrifying idea of like some BuzzFeed quiz that I'm sure there is of like which serial killer are you? I hope that doesn't exist. I am ninety percent sure it probably does. Well, so back to our topic. Yes. Um, depending on what type of venue the killer uses, there are also different terms that we call them: Craigslist killer, Facebook serial killer. Uh, you know, whatever. It could also be a part of an internet suicide pact or a consensual homicide. So you know, there are those. You know, web pages where you try to find someone that will help you kill them. There was this one guy that... Yeah, I mean, you know, I go to those all the time. (laughs) There was this one guy that was like, hey, um, cannibals, y'all can eat me if you want. Ew. And someone did. So, um... Oh, yeah, that was in, like, Germany or something, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in another country. However... Several people and technology experts, they've actually questioned if there's really such thing as internet killings and if this is really a phenomenon or not. Well, yeah. I mean, because my thought on it is, like, you use the internet to contact people, but that's just how you contact people nowadays. You wouldn't call someone who, like, I don't know, texts with their victims before. You wouldn't call them, like, the cell phone killer because that's just... (laughs) How we communicate. The texting killer. Yeah. I mean, or the, the, um, I am sure a local male station killer. Would try. The male killer. M A I L. Okay. Or like the, um, the phone book killer. He just picks someone at random in the phone book, calls them, they die over the phone. That sounds like a B-horror movie. It really does. So, no, that's absolutely it because the internet is just how we communicate nowadays. And this theme of the internet homicide, it while we don't really know how much it actually truly exists, it's popular in fiction. There's examples in books, television shows, movies, and um, a lot of the times the killer in these shows and books and stuff is referred to as the internet killer. Um, but... <laughs> and I mean, I guess it does have a nice, like, touch of... I don't know if romanticism's the right word, but that, like... You know, it's this killer who's doing this, who's communicating out in the open, and yet it's completely anonymous because it's the internet and it's faceless and stuff like that. So, I, like, I get it, but I don't, I don't think so. I get it, but I don't get it, right? I, I, like, you get it, like, you do, but like, what? No, it's weird. But anyway, so that's the topic we will be going over uh, in this episode. All right. So, um, what wine did you pick for today's episode? So the wine I picked is the Collisioni di Paolo. It is a Chianti, a 2017 from Italy, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? what? Yeah, no. So 
little bit about Chianti. It is the best known red from the Tuscany region. And this Chianti is crafted from Sangiovese and Colorino grapes. Um, and it is left unoaked. So it nice. has a nice, like, very ripe, dark berry flavor. And it is apparently an incredible Chianti. It's one that Brittany mentioned it a couple episodes ago, the Italian wine, like, rating system. Oh, yeah, that's right. This one is a DOCG, which is, like, the best of the best. Yeah, means it comes from some of the top, top regions. Price-wise, it's not that crazy. It was, like, $11 or so. Nice. Um, not so bad. Not super, super expensive. A nice, pretty mid-range bottle. So because of the wine's bright red fruit flavors, the refreshing acidity, and its firm tannins, mm -hmm. it goes great with like a meaty pasta with a rich sauce. Oh my god! Like a like what we made that one time oh my gosh with our the bolognese with the mirepoix yes uh, oh it was so good and we just put it over some farfalle like the bow tie pasta or something and yeah. it was so good it like was... i never want to make sauce any other way without a mirepoix no which this is not a cooking podcast but fyi if you on like <laughs> if you medium... think this is a cooking podcast please listen to episode seven where oh, we talk God. about cannibalism okay well no but um on a medium low heat put some <laughs> olive oil in a dish and dice up small dice some carrots onion and celery and you just kind of do it low and slow you don't want to get too much browning on it is this your are you having your cooking channel moment yes <laughs> but and then you add the um sauce and cook that in a bunch of really bright flavors. You can also add garlic to your mirepoix, salt, pepper, season. Uh, and, and the meat. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's so good. It was delicious. Um, um, so, sorry. Back anyway, to the wine. Yes. What, um, are the, what are, like, the tasting notes and all that kind of stuff? So, the tasting notes, is, it has a taste of, like, fresh cranberry and cherry with firm, pleasing tannins and a smooth, harmonious finish. Is it going to make me want to sing? Uh, yes. Okay. And the aroma, so when you first open it, the smell is a rich nose of blackberry, black cherry with hints of violet. Which, oh, okay. interesting. Um, and not only does it go great with pasta, but also great alongside pizza, which... I mean, I feel like if something goes great with pasta, it's going to go great with pizza. They're very similar flavor profiles. Absolutely. Uh, but also, uh, it goes great with, um, like, a nice, thick steak. Yeah. Yeah. Red wines and steak go mm. really well together. Very complimentary. So, let's open it. Let's get into this. Yes. I'm really excited to try this wine. I wonder if we're allowed to drink wine in here. Um, I read, <laughs> I literally read the sign to see, technically, no foul language, but oops. It said don't be intoxicated, but... Yeah. <laughs> we'll just... That is true. Um... Not get caught. Yeah! Alright. This is, um, like a brick red kind of color. Yeah. It's more, it's not as, like, purpley. Oh, it smells like a Chianti. I always, like with Chianti, I feel like I always smell the, the tannins. They just smell a lot stronger than a yeah. lot of um, other wines to me. Yeah, which is interesting because 
Notably, Chianti's, like, you can taste the tannins, but they're not super strong and pronounced. Like, in a cab, they're a lot yeah. smoother and toned down. But you can smell them a lot more than you can in most cabs, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because in cabs, I smell, like, the berry. Like, mm-hmm. always. And the oaky. This one, I do smell, like, the the cherry and the the berries. Yeah. And I, I think I see what yeah. they mean when they say violet. I might just be blowing that out of my ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but a little, I get a little bit of the florally. I love how we're like, we're going to try to sound like we're sommeliers, but really... We're just shitting wine words. Okay. Uh, very shitting wine words, then. <laughs> shitting. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. I like this one. It's very bright. It is um a brighter Chianti and... Oh, I got cork in my glass. Sorry. It's okay. It doesn't change the wine. It makes it better. Anyway, okay. no. This is a good wine. I'm a fan. I know. All right, so... I feel like I always phrase it like this, but we have our wine, we have our topic. What case did you pick? Okay. I picked the murder of Heather Snively. So um, the sources I used, I used quite a few articles from the Oregonian um, in their Oregon Live uh, page on their website. Mm -hmm. NBC News, ABC News, CNN, CBS Baltimore, The Seattle Times, and Listverse. Okay. So some Pacific Northwest and then Baltimore. Yes. And then the internet. The internet, yes. So Heather Snively was this very happy, generous woman who always liked to smile. You know, she'd be the type of person that she would always light up the room. Okay, so one thing that I have to call out, if I die, do not ever... Also, it's an if. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I decided if I will or not. I know. Um, I don't... Like, don't be like, he lit up the room because, no, I did not. (laughs) You basically, like, clear the room. Wow. (laughs) Just kidding. Fuck you. (laughs) Just kidding. No, no, no. I know what you mean because. It's always like, like, every person who dies lit up the room. Their eyes were always smiling. (laughs) Just once, I want to see someone be like, she was a stone cold bitch who liked big dicks and vodka. Because, okay, yes. Because that's real. Mm-hmm. That is real life. Yes. And, um, no, it's it's true. But Heather was not like that. She was she very generous. Okay. Um, she was a deeply religious person, very hardworking, and um, she was led easily. She trusted and believed in everything she heard and everyone she met. So Heather was a real nice girl, but it sounds like she could be pretty naive, too. Yeah. Which... Who's not guilty of having a naive moment at some point in their life? Well, like, let's be real. She's when young. When you're a kind person. She's 21 years old. Well, when you're young and you're a kind person, there are going to be people who take advantage of that. Absolutely. And it just, it sucks, but, you know, that just happens because um, mm-hmm. people, people are garbage. Yeah. So, in the summer of 2009, Heather was 21 years old and eight months pregnant with her first child with her fiance, Chris Pop. Mm. Chris had moved from Maryland, uh, where the two of them met and lived, to Oregon after a job opportunity was presented, and it was going to be a lot better for their family. He would be able to make more money and have mm-hmm. a better home for the his you know soon to be family of three. Yeah. So Chris moved on to Oregon, 
He took a sales job in Tigard, Oregon, which is a town just outside of Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was instead of Seattle because Heather really wanted to live near her sister who lived in Central Oregon. So, you know, they're moving across the country. Oh, I understand, you know, just Heather wants to be close to her sister. It's someone. Yeah. Um, So at the same time, Heather started selling belongings such as different clothes, a grill, um, and she's doing this all on Craigslist and sending the money to Chris uh, so she can help out before she gets there. Yeah. So Heather finally moves to Tigger from Maryland to be with Chris, and she was hoping to find work as well. The couple moved into an apartment, and they slept in sleeping bags on the floor, and they had little else in the apartment. It was a very bare space. All of their anticipation and preparation went towards their future family. And Heather would carefully arrange, you know, baby bottles in the cabinets. And while, like I said, they had nothing, you'd walk into the baby's room and you could tell that that's where their priorities were. They had a crib, clothing, um, everything you would want a child to have. So they just, you know, yes, they were young. Yes, they were trying to get settled. But it sounded like they were doing everything right as far as you know what you need to do um smart ways to get some items however three weeks after her move heather met karina roberts okay so i don't like how that sounds no i wouldn't either you shouldn't like it karina roberts was obsessed with having a baby she'd given birth to a stillborn in 2007 and she seemed obsessed with babies repeatedly watching videos of births on youtube and sewing baby clothes Oh, I was about to be like, oh, me too. Like, obsessed with wanting a baby, but that's that's a lot. Not to this extreme. Well, and I understand, you know, she lost a child. Yeah. And, you know, this was how she was coping with it. I mean, yeah. And that's... Everyone copes in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. However, Karina eventually decided she was going to fake a pregnancy. So she told her boyfriend and their families and some of their friends that she was expecting twins and she was even taking like prenatal vitamins. Was she faking it or was she having like a hysterical pregnancy? She was faking it. Oh, so she She, knew she wasn't pregnant. She knew she wasn't pregnant. Mm. She was faking it. I just wonder like at some point, I I don't know, with all the, because that's a thing you see on a bunch on like TV shows that like faking being pregnant i mean glee did it that one Lindsay lohan movie did it and i'm like at some point at some point people are gonna know you're not pregnant yeah well um also if you think the only thing that happens when you're pregnant like externally is like your belly gets bigger girl no no and that's (laughs) that's true i mean yeah, hips Roberts, Roberts was feigning morning sickness. She started participating in midwife classes at Portland Community College. She got a stroller, baby formula, and Why? parenting magazines. So after she got all of these items, she decided it was time to find a baby. Because of exactly oh. what you just said. At the end, there has to be a baby. Oh, I do not like that. Also, then why'd she say she has twins? I know. I know. So... She posted an ad on Craigslist in an attempt to meet other potential mothers and set up meetings with multiple pregnant women. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of these meetings did not work out according to her plan until she met Heather Snively. So Roberts told Snively that she was pregnant and wanted baby clothes. So the two of them befriended each other and they're talking back and forth because, you know, to Heather, she's talking to another expected mom mm-hmm. and they're... Um, all of their conversation was happening on Craigslist. 
Roberts was 28, and so she's not much older than Heather, so yeah. they have, you know, things in common. And Roberts already had two kids under the age of 10. So, yeah, I'm sure she has some old baby clothes that she wants to get rid of. Yeah, absolutely. So the two exchanged messages on Craigslist for about a week, and then um, Roberts offered to trade Heather, you know, some baby clothes. She'll just give them to her for free. And so Heather, you know, as you can imagine, she was really excited she needed the new baby clothes for her son, which was due in just about a month from when this um, happened. Wow. <clears throat> She's real pregnant. She's really pregnant. And so Heather and Robert's plan to meet up one afternoon. Yeah. So around 11 a.m. on Friday, June 5th, Roberts was at home making making a sandwich for her boyfriend, who was also home like on his lunch break. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed normal. He left again for work. After he left, Heather arrived at their home, and within minutes of entering the home, Roberts beat Heather with a collapsible police baton in the bathroom. What the fuck? Heather fought for her life, struggling against Roberts, but eventually she was knocked unconscious. Oh. Roberts grabbed a straight razor and cut open Heather's abdomen. Jesus. And pulled out the baby boy. So, Roberts covered Heather's body in carpet, rolled her up, and hid it in a crawl space beneath her home. So, around 2.37, Roberts calls her boyfriend and told him she needed help delivering her baby. And she sounded like she was in pain. So, he rushes home. When he arrives, he saw blood on the floor and he heads into the bathroom. He found Roberts in the bathtub with the water running and she's crying uncontrollably holding the still baby boy. So her boyfriend calls 911 at 2.42 saying, you know, um, a woman's pregnant with twins, had given birth to one infant, and the infant's not breathing. So the dispatchers are relaying CPR instructions. Yeah. And he's on the phone until police and firefighters and the paramedics arrived within like four minutes. Mm-hmm. So Roberts and the baby arrived at Providence St. Vincent Medical Center at 2.56 the doctors tried, but they could not resuscitate the infant, and he was pronounced dead. Oh. Roberts initially refused to submit an exam, but the doctors eventually completed it and determined that she had not given birth recently. Yeah. Like... Well, I'm like, first off, you said you had twins. There's one baby, so their one should be another baby in there. Yep. Two, a placenta... Three, your vagina should look like you just pushed a baby through it. Yeah, not just like normal. It should be super stretched and you should be like super fucked up. Dilated to hell for sure. So doctors ordered a psychological evaluation and a psychologist found no psychosis or other mental disorders. When they discovered that she had not recently given birth, the hospital staff called police. (laughs) So at yeah, because they're like, okay, whose baby is this? Whose baby is this, and where's the other one? Because again, they're, they've still been told that there's twins. Yeah. So at five forty one, deputies returned to the house to search for the second baby, and they entered through the unlocked front door. You know, it was never locked since they had left in such a hurry, so they just walked on in. Mm-hmm. They saw a large piece of white carpet that appeared to have blood-stained footprints and blood smears on it. Blood continued into the hallway and then led them into the bathroom where bloody blankets and towels littered the floor. They searched through the blankets and towels for the second infant, but they didn't find anything. 
So they continued their search around um, the house and they found a pool of blood under the carpet next to the crawl space under the kitchen. They used a flashlight to look under the house and saw a large mass covered by carpet. They pulled up the carpet and discovered Heather's mutilated body. The cops soon realized the blood all over the home was a scene of a violent struggle. Yeah. In one of the bedrooms, deputies found a collapsible baton with blood and hair on it. About five hours later, around 11 p.m., after he had tried to call Heather more than 30 times, Chris calls the police to report her missing. Yeah. So while all of this had been happening... He just, he had no idea where his fiance was. He got home from work and like, um, she wasn't there and, you know, in the morning. Oh my God. So he's just like, like, where's my wife or where's my fiance? Where is she? And he was really concerned because, you know, they had like a very heartfelt goodbye and, you know, she's very excited he's here again. They're about to have a baby. Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, oh, I can't wait to see you when you get home, Chris. And he's like, you too. And so we know something's up when she doesn't come home, especially by 11 p.m. Yeah. At that time, he had no idea what horrors had occurred earlier that same day. Yeah. And at 2 a.m. is when he found out about her death. Oh, God. An autopsy showed that Heather had suffered 15 to 30 blows, mostly to the back of her head. There were cuts to her right breast and abdomen and bite marks on her right arm. Bite marks? I guess in the struggle... Um, Roberts bit her. The medical examiner determined the head injuries probably knocked Heather unconscious, but it was the incision to her abdomen and the loss of blood that killed her. Yeah. Authorities also retrieved a dark colored hair from one of Heather's hands and doctors determined that the infant had never drawn a breath. Oh. So he was, who, who knows if he was already still or what. Yeah. But he never drew a breath outside of the uterus. The day that Heather met Roberts, she'd mailed a card to her grandmother. And in the card, it said, can you believe mom and Dave are going to be grandparents? Her grandmother received the card postmarked on June 5th, three days later. Oh, God. So she got that after after they they knew and everything. God, that, that's heartbreaking. Yes. Um, and they had, uh, Heather and Chris had named their son. His name was going to be John Stephen. So Roberts was charged with four counts of aggravated murder, one count of murder, and two counts of first degree robbery. After some negotiations, she pleaded guilty to one count of aggravated murder, and her plea means that she would not face trial and the possible death sentence. Yeah. When the judge asked if she was pleading guilty because she was guilty, she responded, I'm taking responsibility because I am guilty. So at least she took responsibility for what she did. Um, She sobbed through most of the proceedings and agreed to life in prison without the chance of parole. Okay. So um, that... Poor Chris. He just... He went from their struggling but happy... You know, they're broke as shit. Yeah. And he has this new job and they're, you know, he's, they're building this life for their family to his whole family's gone. Yeah. Well, and yes, he lost everything, but he took what happened and he, he used it to help others. He started foundations for other pregnant moms. That's good. And, you know, it, it's in this wake of such tragedy 
it's amazing to me how some people can turn around and do something positive and not not let it just completely consume and run their entire life. It it, it just amazes me how, how could this not ruin your entire life? Yeah, you know, like just I, the strength. Like, I don't know how you recover. No, the strength you would have to have after, because it's like not only did she die, but the way was so horrific and so violent. Yeah. Someone was trying to steal their child. Yeah. Um, and it's just I don't know. It's it's absolutely horrifying, and I am glad that Roberts is going to spend the rest of her life in prison. Yeah. I feel really bad for her two children and for her mm-hmm. boyfriend who God cuz cuz he thought his he thought girlfriend it was, her. was pregnant. Yeah. And then he comes home and he thinks that she just lost the baby. Yes. And like there's it, blood everywhere. He thinks it's hers. He's like, "Oh my god, what just god. happened?" He calls 911 and then to find out that what she did and what actually happened. Yeah. No. So yeah. That was uh, my horrible, super fucked up case. Shit. And okay. Um, I will say I almost did the Craigslist killer. And then that's how I found this because it also, their connection was through Craigslist. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So what case did uh, you pick as your internet homicide? Well, before you get into mine, give me more wine. Yes. Okay. Our glasses are full. And our hearts are not. I don't know. So, my case is the murder of Brian Barrett. Okay. So, the sources I used were ABC News, New York Times, Oxygen, specifically an episode of their podcast, Martinis and Murder, that That's they do. That's an Oxygen podcast? It's an Oxygen podcast. It's really Shut good, y'all. Up. It's another true crime podcast, and... It's really good. Y'all should absolutely check out Martinis and Murder. That's so cool. Um, And then Fox News. So, in May of 2005, in an online chat room, two people that went by the names Tall Hot Blonde and Marine Sniper met. Marine Sniper was actually a 46-year-old guy named Thomas Montgomery, who was a married father of two. And he was posing as a young, handsome, Iraq-bound Marine when he entered this teen chat room. Wow. Yeah. So already fucking creepy. Already, yes. So Montgomery, his wife, and his two teenage daughters lived in a town near Buffalo, New York. And he worked in a factory that made power tools. Mm -hmm. And he looked like a typical middle-aged guy. He was balding. He had a big old gut, a thick mustache. I mean, he just looked like a guy. He liked playing poker on Fridays with his friends. And he was a creature of habit. Yeah. So when the 18-year-old tall, hot blonde started messaging him... He decided that was when he was going to pretend that he was also 18. And before long, this messaging and flirting became a romance. Yeah. Oh, God. Tall Hot Blonde told Montgomery that her real name was Jessie. She was a high school senior from West Virginia who played softball. And she would send Montgomery photos that were... Personal in nature, I guess. Yeah, some pretty yeah. provocative naked yeah, photos. Yeah, naked photos. 
And in return, Jesse wanted to see what Montgomery looked like. So he sent, he actually sent her a photo of himself from his Marine boot camp 30 years before. Oh my God. So like it was him, but. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. So, because he actually was a Marine back in the day, uh, but yeah. So for Jesse, Montgomery invented a younger, stronger, and just hotter, better version of himself. So that not he even called Tommy. Not even really what he was like when he was younger. Yeah. So it's like him, but way, way better. Yeah. Way more successful. The the Tom he wished he was. Tommy. Yeah. yeah basically. Gosh. He described himself as six foot tall, bright red hair, big shoulders, muscles, all of that. All like of that. yeah. Yeah. The online relationship began to consume Montgomery. And this feeling seemed to be pretty mutual. Jesse and Tommy exchanged gifts, phone calls, and love letters. Oh my gosh. Wait, so he's like getting all of this shit and hiding it, obviously. Yeah, but also they have each other's addresses, which is weird. That's really creepy. One thing that she wrote to him, I love you always and forever, Tommy. And he responded, I've never felt this way. He's married with two teenage daughters. This is so messed up. Talking to this 18-year-old. Well, and that's what it is. It's like, yeah, so he's cheating on his wife. And unfortunately, that's... People do that. Yeah. But he is cheating on his wife with an 18-year-old who thinks he's also an 18-year-old. Yeah. So the relationship became, you know, very involved. And they had... They were like having virtual sex and all of that. And Montgomery seemed to be losing touch with reality. Yeah, clearly. Uh, He wrote a note to himself that said, On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life, which is fucking creepy. Uh, yeah. So one day... In March of 2006, one of Montgomery's daughters was using his computer when Jesse happened to IM him. She yeah. sees, oh, Tommy's online. I'm going to send him a message. It's actually Montgomery's daughter using his computer. Oh, my so God. daughter is like, uh, what the fuck? And alerts her mom, yeah. Montgomery's wife. And mom found a trove of love letters, photos, and mementos from Jesse, including a pair of red panties. Oh! So, in response to this, she sent Jesse a photo of her family and a letter. And in the letter she wrote, Let me introduce you to these people. The man in the center is Tom, my husband since 1989. He is 46 years old. Mm, my God. Also, way to go, freaking wife. Right? Like, just being like, by the fucking way, this is my husband. He's not 18. I'm his wife, at least for right now. And these yeah. are our kids. This is so, my husband. He's been catfishing you. Yeah. Like, so whatever you think you know, you don't. Yeah. So Jesse rightfully was horrified. And she broke off the relationship immediately because creepy old dude. Yeah. 
She sent Montgomery a text that told him that she hates him and that he should be put in jail for this. Dang, so she really flipped on him. Yeah. But she also, there's a part of her that's like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't true. So previously, Montgomery had given her the name of one of his co-workers. I'm not sure why, but Jesse emailed that co-worker, who was 22-year-old Brian Barrett, who was this good-looking part-time machinist and college student yeah, uh, who worked with Montgomery. She emailed him to see if all of this was true. And he was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So he confirmed. he confirmed. Because I guess, like... Tom had been talking to his co-workers bragging Oh, yeah. Tom had been just telling everyone about he's in this relationship with this 18-year-old and all this shit. And so Brian knows full well who Jesse, or all this stuff about Jesse. So when she reached out to him, he's like, oh, my God, yes. I can, now that I, I guess, have your contact, I can... I tell you what the hell's been going on. Which, this is crazy because, I don't know, it, why? Like, why did he know so much? And why would you brag this much about dating someone that's literally almost 30 years younger than you? For real. So, on this chat room, Brian's screen name is Beefcake. Which, just Stop. I want to do so a side note. I would assume all these fucking people are fake because their screams are Beefcake, Marine Sniper, and Tall Hot Blonde. And those... What year was this again? This was like 2006 or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think I was Punk Cowgirl in 2000. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. I'm pretty sure my AIM screen handle was like Rocket Kid 9 or something. But I was also <laughs> like 9. <laughs> Rocket Kid? Yeah, probably from Rocket Power, although it could have just been like, Rockets are cool. I'm in the fourth grade. It could have been. So, That's hilarious. Anyways, um, so Brian is consoling Jesse online because she's like devastated. Right, right. Um, and she seemed to, you know, find a better fit with him anyway, and they liked each other. And before long, she was, she and Brian were developing their own relationship. Oh my god. She was sending him photos and they became an item. Yeah. And this made Montgomery just, he was consumed with jealousy because his younger, hotter co worker is now dating the. His girl. Like, yeah. So. Brian was a student at Buffalo State College, and he was an aspiring teacher, and he worked fairly closely with Montgomery. Yeah. So, like, they were co-workers, but they were, like, pretty close, like, price and proximity, and, like, maybe they're on the same team or something. Totally. And everyone at the factory commented on how Montgomery had bragged about this relationship he had with this 18-year-old in West Virginia since it started in May yeah. of 2005. Yeah. And so when Brian started dating her, he also didn't keep it a secret. Be- like, could you imagine being one of the other coworkers that's like, oh my god. Who is Like, Tom was dating girl? this girl, and now Brian's dating her. 
Who is she? Why are my coworkers dating an 18-year-old? For real. Why I mean, is this Brian's something they're talking 22, about? Brian's at least so it's like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, you gotta know someone's going to HR about all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let me tell you what is happening down there. The HR person just has a glass of wine. It's like, ooh, dish, bitch. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> not a good HR person. <laughs> I mean, no. I also don't know what HR in factories is like, but... I could only imagine what HR um, things would happen at a factory. Because, like, if this is the stuff that they're talking about, this, I'm sure, is only scratching the surface of the conversations that you're overhearing from your coworkers. Oh, I'm sure. It's probably along the lines of the same as just, like, construction worker, locker room type, just... Gross, misogynistic shit. shit. Yeah. So, Brian is touting this new relationship with Jesse around... And Montgomery begins angrily messaging Jesse. His messages became increasingly violent as he feels he's, like, forced to watch this relationship blossom in the same chat room that he met Jesse. Yeah. Sorry, dude, you don't own the fucking internet or anyone. Like, So wait, when you say chat room, wouldn't they be talking on a personal chat? I, so... I'm confused. I think that it's, like, a fucking chat room that and so just like, doesn't have that many people or something and so all the other people are just able to read these fucking messages I guess and like so. comment so there's like short hot brunette that happens to be in the same chat room who like randomly comments like ooh and then ooh, there's average... Tommy that was really nice <laughs> then there's or Tommy stop being such a dick That's average what... height homely redhead <laughs> who's just like guys please just Please DM each other. And then also, Fruitcake is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and loves talking about the holidays. Well, I mean, it's not what you'd expect. And then, like, got a big sausage is also there trying to get in. Because the guys have shit names. <laughs> got a big sausage. He's, he's not discreet. No, no. Um. Anyway. Jesus. Yeah. I... Oh my god. Do chat rooms still exist? I mean, I'm sure they do. Just, I want to look. Just Google. I'm sure if you Google chat rooms, you'll probably find that like A plus chat. That was one I would go on as like a preteen teenager because they had a gay chat. I did. And so I could like be like, I'm gay but haven't told anyone because I'm 12. Aww. You know what And then what, everyone was just like put pictures of their dicks on it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay that doesn't go with what i was about to say that was sweet and nice so i'm gonna pretend you didn't say that and i was going to say i'm sure it is the type of thing that would be great for that that reasoning of like hey oh yeah like i better chats don't use (laughs) that chat room but (laughs) right but it's just like hey i have this big thing that's going on and i can't tell anyone but i need to talk to someone and so you go to a chat room that's it's kind of like talk space (laughs) <laughs> but yeah not but actually like talk space is legit um anyway so go on this yeah. is just crazy so after getting all these violent messages from montgomery jesse and brian take to the internet to make sure that everyone knows montgomery is a liar yeah and they were going into the chat rooms letting people know that he's actually in his 40s and they kind of made him out to look like a pedophile, which is not necessarily... It's not necessarily it's, untrue. She's yeah. an adult, but she's still very much a she's child. She's still a high school senior. 
And he's in a teen chat room. So... Yeah, he doesn't need to be in the teen chat room. But Jessie was torn. Um, One instant, she would be mad at Montgomery. But another one, she would seem to be desperate to return to him. So through all of this, she is still, like, loves him and wants to be with him. Yeah, which to me is honestly not that surprising because... When you share so much with someone and have such a connection with them, I mean, I'm sure it could be so hard to just flip the switch and be like, no, I hate you. I do. I want nothing to do with you. To of go from course ins- it is. It's like loving them to no. Like, no, of course that's really challenging. Of course that's really challenging. So she would continue talking to him online and eventually she kind of started not necessarily going out because she was still with Brian, but more seriously talking to Montgomery again. So this is all online. Like they're never really meeting up Correct. and actually seeing each other in person. Okay. So it is full on. The reason I'm saying this is because yours is so much more of an actual like internet crime yeah. other than mine because it's, this whole relationship, everything that they're building is online. And yes, they're sending like letters and gifts and whatnot, but they've never actually met in person. Yeah. No, I I definitely stuck with by the topic, but um, <laughs> um but Montgomery knew he was way in over his head, but he could not bring himself to end things with Jesse. And at one point when his wife told him to get off the computer and come talk to her, he couldn't. Wow, so he's just yeah. like, no, I can't leave Jesse. I can't leave her. I can't leave this chat I don't know why his wife room. hasn't left him, but... No, seriously, though. Because like, she clearly damn. knows that you can do he's still him. having a relationship with an 18-year-old. Yeah. But Montgomery says that nothing sexual happened between him and Jesse after she found out how old he was. So it was just like regular conversations? Supposedly, well, no, I don't believe the this. I am say much different story. Oh, they, they were like sexting and stuff. Oh, sexting God. in two thousand six lingo. Oh my Chat God, do you think sex? they were? I don't know. Chexting. I don't Chexting. know. Chexting. <laughs> sounds like a disease. <laughs> Shatting. <laughs> sex chatting. <laughs> Not to be confused with <laughs> sharding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Um, but they would send things to each other, like, you know, her wanting him to make love to her and him wanting her to be naked and just, like, <laughs> gross things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, it didn't last between them. Jesse told Montgomery they were through and yeah. she wanted to be with Brian. Yeah. And Which makes more sense. I mean, he's her age, like, yeah. they... She has this connection with Montgomery they've built, yes, but... But Brian is more fitting. It makes yeah. more sense. He's just it's more for her. No, it's just, it's more realistic. It is. After this, Montgomery began to go into a downward spiral. He was acting erratically at work. And he would say things to coworkers like that he wouldn't leave shell casings lying around if he were to kill someone. Okay. Right? Everything came to a head when Brian announced that he was going to go meet Jesse in person. Because up until this point, none, neither of them had met Jesse. 
Like, yeah. So yeah. he's announcing that he's going to meet her. He's going to go meet He'd her. He'd driven down to North Carolina for work, and on his way back, he was going to be driving through West Virginia, and he knew where in West Virginia she lived because they would trade letters and stuff. Um, of course, like you said earlier, they have each other's addresses. Yeah. And so Brian reached out to Jesse and was, you know, told her he'd be driving in the area of her house on his way back. and He'd love to see her. Oh my God, I bet and, she was freaking out. Yeah, at the last minute she texted him not to visit. Um, but Montgomery had heard of this plan and he was pissed. Yep. So on September 15th, 2006 as brian is leaving for work three shots rang out oh my god brian was shot three times at close range in the neck and left arm after (gasps) climbing into his pickup at about 10 p.m after work his body wasn't found until two days later when a co-worker saw his pickup in the company parking lot and found his body in it He was shot three times by a military rifle. Oh, I bet I know who did it. It might have been Marine Sniper. Yeah. Um, Yeah, police quickly learned of this internet love triangle from the co-workers. And when they weren't able to locate Thomas Montgomery, they feared that they knew where he was headed. Because he'd just killed Brian. Yeah. He had Jesse's address, and they're like, Oh, fuck. He's going to go kill Jesse. He's going to Jesse. Yeah. So police sent officers to Jesse's house in West Virginia to make sure she was alive and safe. But when police arrived at her home, a woman in her 40s named Mary Shiler opened the door. Okay. So, Is it like her mom or something? Well, police are questioning her and she reveals that she was the one... Who was sending messages to <gasps> Montgomery and Brian under the name Tall Hot Blonde. Shut the fuck up. No way. Yeah. She was catfishing too. Okay. So it's like a, a catfisher catfishes a catfisher. And Brian is just caught in the middle of it. Poor Brian. And Brian's the one that ends up dead. Yep. So wait, wait. it gets worse. Okay. Oh my God. The pictures. My that, head is spinning. Yeah. The pictures she'd sent Montgomery were actually those of her daughter, who in real life was Jessie and had no knowledge of her mom's, like, cyber life. Oh my god. Talk about a way to really fuck your kid up. Uh, yeah. So, Mary was in her 40s, but had adopted her daughter's identity online, including her email address and webpage. Like, she... Basically, that was... That was her. her. Online, she yeah. was her daughter. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, my head is spinning because I'm thinking of all the things. Like, I don't know. I guess when the police looked to see, like, who Jessie was and who she really was, she was a real person, just wasn't mm-hmm. the one doing this. Um, and, like, can, again, I'm just going to go back to the coworkers who are just, like, on the outskirts of all of this I drama. Like, could you imagine... Out. Think of think of the craziest work drama you've ever heard, and it doesn't come anywhere to comparing to something like this. I mean, again, I do work in HR, so it it it's not this, but it, you know, close. This is just insane. Like the back and forth and the flip floppy, and this is uh uh mm mm. Back when I uh, worked for a company in Seattle. 
my boss and I talked about how we could like write a book that would be a bestseller about like all the shit HR that went stories. Down. Um, obviously, you would get fired, and obviously, that's a horrible like breach of trust. And I was but... gonna say the book that everyone would enjoy reading that no one can read because it can't exist. Exactly. So, um, anyways, but yes, I bet this uh, factory HR person could write a series of novels. Probably. So. At his arraignment in December of 2005, Montgomery pleaded not guilty before State Supreme Court Justice Amy J. Fricano, um, and she ordered him to be held without bail pending a hearing on January 10th of 2006 and warned him not to contact Jesse. He was not allowed to contact her at all. Yeah. And does he at this point, does he know? Well, he didn't find out about who Jesse's real identity yeah. until way after his arrest. And oh. he was already on trial and stuff. Oh because I'm sure God. in the trial, she was a key witness. I'm and sure. So she, she had to be. walked out and then like, you know, please state your name. Mary Shiler. And he's probably like, who the hell is this? And he's like, okay, Mary, are you also not aligned as tall, hot blonde? She's probably like, yes. And that. I mean, I don't know. In his mind, that's just that's the, exploded. That's the cinematic piece I have in my mind. No, I can totally see it. Um, but he was charged, and he later did plead guilty to the murder of Brian Barrett. And in exchange for his plea, he received a 20-year sentence. So wow. prosecutors said that the discovery of Montgomery's DNA on a peach pit that was found near the crime scene and a photo of Montgomery's family's gun cabinet which showed the type of old military rifle that was used to shoot brian yeah like those two things were the some of the key evidence in their case against montgomery so i'm sorry you're telling me that he shoots brian and decides to have like a fucking snack i I imagine he was probably like waiting in his car for brian to get off oh and and that's when he was having a snack snack while waiting (laughs) And throws his peach pit out the window like an idiot. Yeah. That is like literally the same thing as throwing out your cigarette butt. And it's 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 like you're just throwing your DNA there. Yeah. To be collected. Yeah. Like, you just... No. You dumb. You dumbass. <laughs> so, Montgomery goes to jail. And Mary doesn't have to face any charges because she wasn't involved in this really. Yeah. But she also... She didn't come away unscathed her husband divorced her over the deception and her daughter jesse cut all ties with her and moved in with relatives in virginia where she was attending college i get it so again just like in your case in mine fucking mary's family is destroyed montgomery's family is destroyed brian's dead so his family's destroyed like of course fuck people don't Stop destroy lying. families online. Stop lying on the internet to just, I don't know, for your fantasies. I know, for Or like, real. whatever. Because I promise you, if he had been like, I'm 46 and look like this, he could have found a, a thousand people. He could have still found people and still, like, like, had an online relationship. It just didn't have to be with an 18-year-old that ended up being a 40-year-old. The, honey, it's called Tinder. I mean, it's 2006, so I you guess it's like, I don't know, plenty of fish or something. You know what's the, like... The the ironic part of this 
If the two of them had just been themselves, they probably would have really hit it off. Oh yeah, because, because they were clearly both they in had forties. Yeah, and because clearly they had a, had a ton in for common. Catfishing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would have been a great couple. But no, but you hear what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure in those conversations oh, yeah. they were having that they were being themselves while pretending to be much younger. Oh, yeah. And then it would have still been <laughs> shitty because no, it's, it's cheating, would've... but. That would have I mean, been no so less murdered. shitty because there wouldn't have been murders. There wouldn't have been yeah. just all of the deception. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay, that was crazy. Um, do we want to jump into postmortem? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so I just still am in shock right now of the catfisher catfishing the catfisher. Like, uh, this is just same. crazy. Um, um, but uh, what are what are your thoughts? Well, I'm no good at postmortem. Like, I, I just know, never same. know. Like. It's one of those things where I feel like sometimes it's like blatantly obvious whose case was more shocking. Yeah. Yet. Honestly, in this one, like, you know, Brian was murdered and all these families were destroyed. But in yours, Chris lost his fiance, his son who was expected to be born, who were both like both murdered and taken away. Well, and the fact that Roberts was trying to steal a baby literally from another woman's Like, just cut it out. And it... Also, um, your case reminded me... um, Because I don't know what it is with TV or film or whatever's fascination with... Or maybe it just happens in life. Because actually, now saying this, it reminds me of two things. First, it reminds me of a case, I believe... My favorite murder did of a woman who... Yes, and she survived. She Yeah, she survived. Someone cut her baby out of her, and she survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is the uh, show Private Practice, the spinoff from Grey's Anatomy, yep. where I think Violet gets... Her like, patient does Yeah, it. her patient, like, drugs her and I think gives her an epidural. So she's, like, paralyzed... From the chest down, mm-hmm. and her patient is like gonna cut her baby out, and she has to like direct her patient how to do it because her patient has no medical knowledge. Yeah, but she doesn't want to die, and she doesn't want the baby to die. So she just like walk her through how to cut her own baby out. For it, it's super fucked up. It is like um, one of the worst episodes ever. Yeah, that it. Anyway, for all those things, just how fucking graphic and how fucked up it is. I absolutely. Um, think this one goes to you and i will be picking the topic for next week's episode and i'm gonna pick the wine and i actually already have an idea of which one i'm gonna pick i've been been thinking about this one and it's going to surprise you oh okay well i'm excited for next week when i get to drink a surprise wine surprise wine all right. Well, um, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, let us know what you think. You still have a few days left if you want to be part of the contest. Yes. So if you're leaving us a review, also just make sure to go over to our Facebook or Instagram, follow us, and tag a friend. And if you've already left a review, screenshot it, send it to us in a DM. And you'll be entered to win a t-shirt of your choosing and a sticker all for free. Yes, all for free and all for you. Also, make sure to, just in general, yeah. <laughs> like and uh, follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
check out our website. You can also check out our merch store on our website where a lot of great shit. If um, you want to see the kind of t-shirts that you could win yes. in this contest, head over to the merch store. We also have dozens of things from coffee mugs to dog bandanas, onesies, Totes. hoodies. I almost bought my um, boss. She had her baby shower last week and I almost bought her a blooded wine onesie but then I was like is that gonna be weird (laughs) I mean so I didn't but but maybe it wouldn't be weird for you true so all right well with that I would buy my child a blood and wine onesie all I'm saying I mean I absolutely would as well fair But, but um yeah all right with that um thank you all so much for tuning in hope you loved this episode uh, but this is Blood and Wine signing off. XOXO. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye.